0: Our passage today is from Isaiah 25 and 26. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. The hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain But Moab will be trampled in their land as straw is trampled down in the manure. They will stretch out their hands in it as swimmers stretch out their hands to swim. God will bring down their pride despite the cleverness of their hands. He will bring down your high fortified walls and lay them low. He will bring them down to the ground, to the very dust. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground and cast it down to the dust. Feet trample it down, the feet of the oppressed, the footsteps of the poor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, good morning. Good morning. morning. Excited to be with you all this morning. My name is Austin McGough. If I haven't met you, would love to. I, um, I was raised in Omaha, Nebraska, And uh, how many of y'all been to Omaha? A few people been to Omaha? A good amount of, most, a lot of people been to Omaha. Omaha, you know, was, uh, you know, where I was raised. I was uh, in North Omaha, is where I was. It's a predominantly um, black, all black, and and Hispanic uh, demographic in in, in North Omaha, how I grew up. And I was exposed to a wide variety of people and experiences in Omaha. I was able, uh, I was, uh, I witnessed a lot um, of different things uh in Omaha growing up, and um, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of um things that you know honestly were uh were were tough uh to be around you know in the home for me was solid my mom did a great job raising me you know it wasn't perfect but but solid by all means, but when I stepped outside of the home, you know I mean I grew up running the streets with my friends and playing sports, and uh, tried to stay away from a lot of the gang violence and activity that was next door to me. Uh, A lot of friends who were in it. Broken families were the norm on my Little League football team. Every player had a fatherless home, except maybe one. And it was so normal. We would go to people's houses and see moms and didn't think anything of it until I was like 25, reflecting back on it. I had a lot of friends who were carrying guns in their book bags to high school, crazy reality because of gang violence they were paranoid at any moment um, i've had close friends of mine either be shot or shoot at somebody girls being manipulated taking advantage of at a young age kids running away from home stealing for their livelihood you know that's that's the environment you know that i was raised in that's the city um, that i grew up in and you know when, when i accepted christ later on in my life when i was 18 i accepted christ I was reflecting back on some of the experiences and things that I experienced in Omaha, and and it really bred a very deep compassion. It bred a very, very deep yearning and longing for God's heavenly city, God's perfect heavenly city. Because of all the hurt, because of all the pain, because of some of the things that I witnessed um, growing up in the city, Uh, That I was raised in. And so our passage today, it talks about three different cities. And um, we're going to dig into that. But I want to pray for us before we do. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just pray that uh, you really would speak to us through your word. This morning, God, I pray that uh, you would meet us here. God, and that we would have clarity and we would be encouraged. And that we would all long uh, for your heavenly city. Amen. And so in this passage, we see three different cities. We see the lofty city, we see the strong city, and then we see the heavenly city. And, and, you know, the reason I start off talking about my experience growing up in the city that I was raised in is because that experience is normal in a lot of places, right? It's not just Omaha that that's normal. It's places and cities in the U.S., places and cities all over the world. That brokenness um, is common, and there's a uniqueness with cities in the scriptures. Cities are significant, And so Tim Keller says this. He says, cities are significant in the scriptures because what they represented was a great number of diversity of human connections and contacts and networks and alliances. And you know, when you have that, what happens is that people becomes creative. A lot of different walks of life, a lot of different backgrounds. People become more creative. Innovation happens. People begin to think in new ways. And so cities are the most influential are the influential hubs of our society. So cities are influential. As the city goes, so does the culture and so does society typically. And so I know many of y'all, y'all like, yeah, you know, a city is like that, but Columbia is not a city. You know what I'm saying? I get it, you know, I understand. Hey, I graduated from Manhattan, Kansas. Columbia is a city, yeah, you know? <laughs> Um, Columbia, Manhattan had one street, you know, no, I'm just kidding, more than one street, but it felt like that, yeah. But Columbia has some really strong advantages to it, I will say. Columbia, you know, one of the fastest growing cities in the Midwest, cite your own source, okay? Um, it shows up, right, on big places to live rankings all the time, you get to Google and some stuff, you see Columbia, Missouri on there. Um, it's one of the most educated cities in America, how about that? The average age of Colombia is twenty-nine years old. That counts for something, you yeah. know. No, really, though. That means that Colombia is on the up and up, a lot of potential, right? A lot of youth around, people growing, getting understanding. Colombia, I mean, trajectory looking like this, you know. All seriousness, though, Colombia has a lot of advantages get that should get us really excited about where the Lord has us, you know, in this place that we would call home in Colombia that we can recognize um, as. A city. All, all, all that to say, <clears throat> three different cities are acknowledged in this passage. And so we're going to start with the lofty city. The lofty city, we see that in Isaiah 26 verses 5 and 6, where he just says, he humbles those who dwell on high, lays the, lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground, casts it down to the dust. And here is the acknowledgement of a city that views themselves as lofty. And so they view themselves as a people who are very highly, I think highly of myself. Keller would say that this city is characterized by self, is the characterization of of, of this city. Self-image, how am I being seen by others? Self-creation, look at me and what I have made. Self-justification, I'm not wrong in any decisions I've ever made. And if you think I'm wrong, you're wrong, right? Right? Self-accomplishment and self-gratification. Yes, I've built this. I've worked hard for my life, and this is me, and this is for me and mine to enjoy. Steak and lobster tails, right? Are you still eating peanut butter and jellies? You know, I had one yesterday, <laughs> right? Self means I'm always driven, always wanting more, right? How much money is enough, right? Just a little bit more, you know, is, is the motto, the higher you climb, the more nervous you get, right? Am I able to keep up everything that I have going? Is some, are, are, Who's competing with me? Am I still at the top? Was I ever at the top, you know? These thoughts get in there, questions, they really begin to haunt the people of the lofty city. You know, the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11 was kind of the first picture of, of, of a lofty city, and when you go back and look at it, it's really interesting, kind of what's, what's, what's said there. They're like, hey, at the time, all people on earth spoke the same language. And so they were like, hey, let's build a tower that reaches heaven so that we can make a name for ourselves, is what they were doing. We're going to build a tower that reaches heaven so we can make a name for ourselves. So God steps in and scatters their language, so then they can't do that because they can't communicate to each other anymore, but they're fighting to make a name for themselves. You know, I have a cousin who lives down in, in Miami, and I went, we went down there. He lives in the same neighborhood as the Miami Dolphin Stadium, and I wanted to see South Beach. I was like, hey, I, I want to see South Beach. I hear about it all the time. You see pictures of it, whatever. So he took me down there. You know, it's a Saturday night, and we're driving down on the strip of South Beach, and I'm in the car, and I'm just looking around, and, and, and I'm seeing it all. You know, Beamers, Ben's, Bentley's, Rolls Royce's. I'm seeing people walking around, you know, they, drinks in their hand, big, big neck, big chains. I'm, I'm seeing the whole scene. I'm seeing the whole scene. And my, my cousin said something to me. He said, you know what's funny about this whole scene right here? He said, he said, you know, a lot of these people, or a good amount of these people, he said, I know personally who will rent a Bentley for Saturday night, drive down to South Beach, valet park it, Pay a couple hundred to go into the club and look the part. Yeah, yeah. Trying to make a name for myself. I want to people to see me, you know, a certain way. And I was, I was just thinking about that. You know, it's as as we would look at that and be like, wow, people are doing that. You know, we do similar things here in Columbia. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not gonna go rent the Bentley for a Saturday night, but we'll buy it a, SUV tricked out straight off the lot. You, 2024, humbly, right? <laughs> you know, nice, you know, oh, I like that car. What you? Yeah, you know, 2024. <laughs> yeah. Right? We, we may compete, you know, with the standard of living of those around us, right? Managing self-image. How am I being... Seen, we might purchase excessive luxuries really for no reason other than I want to be viewed as successful. I just got it like that. I'm image maintenance, making a name for ourselves. You know, it may not be as extreme as we would say South Beach is, but the core is the exact same. We want to be noticed, respected, acknowledged, admired, taken seriously, and are willing to do whatever it takes. You know, To get that. If you look at that verse six of this, in the city, the the poor are trampled. And that just makes sense because if if I'm busy building me, how would I ever have time to consider you? And even worse, if, if, if you aren't helping me, then you are in my way. And everybody knows what happens when you get in my way, you know? So that's the lofty city. But the strong city, the strong city is interesting. The verses 26, or chapter 26, 1 through 4, you, you, see, you see the strong city. He says, we have a strong city. See, have is, is, is current, it's present tense. We have a strong city where salvation is its walls and ramparts. Salvation upholds it. So salvation in God upholds it. This is a people that keep in perfect peace because their mind is steadfast. They trust in the Lord. Verse 3, a people not worried about self but desire others to prosper, of people who are secure in themselves because the Lord gives them their identity, their worth, their admiration, everything that we're looking for. The strong city here is the people of God. The strong city here is communities of believers living in communities with one another, grown in holiness, embracing all that God would have for them. This is the strong city. Well, then the question has to have, you know, well, what would God have for a people of God who are the people of God together, you know, a community in a culture like ours is today? What would God have, you know, for the people of God, a culture that's hostile toward God and fleeing from God? God. It's crazy that God gives so much clarity, actually, as to what he would have for these communities. Um, if you look back, actually, the, in the people of Israel, so God's chosen people in the Old Testament, Israel was being disobedient to God, turned their back on God. They're like, hey, we don't want anything to do with you. And uh, so God says, okay, I have to discipline you because you need to learn a lesson, right? You're, you're walking away from me. I want what's best. So he sends them into exile. And he sends them into exile. Essentially, they come in and get conquered by Babylon. Okay, so Babylon comes in, Nebuchadnezzar, and they just destroy pretty much all of Israel, right? Kill a lot of people, break up families. I mean, it's it, it's really a crazy scene, just ruthless treatment to the people of Israel. And um, and then they then they took them, and they said, "You guys are going to adopt our culture, our language. You guys are going to be just like us." You know, just took them. And so then, uh, what you have is you have God's people in the midst of. Babylon is what you have. And so, then God gives them this instruction. Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce. mind-blowing instructions from the Lord after we just got conquered by a reckless, ruthless people. They wake up in this culture who, who is vulgar and running, and God says, hey, my people, as you are the strong city, as you have these instructions from me, continue to live out what I have given you, continue to live out what you know right there in the midst of the lofty city. He says, "Israel, be Israel inside of Babylon." And you know what? That sounds like our current situation. The culture we live in today is one that doesn't acknowledge God, nor care to, nor want to. Money is often a lot of people's God, and our society is our society is aggressively growing towards sin. And God doesn't say, "Hey, I want you to bubble wrap yourself as a Christian and kind of get on the outside and don't affiliate with anybody who's not walking with me." No, God says, "Get all the way in." God says, no, make yourself at home. Build houses, plant gardens, have families, multiply there. model, model family, home and marriages. Show them what it looks like to raise kids in the way of the Lord. Show them what it looks like to live in real joy. Show them that your God can sustain you in the worst of circumstances. And then God goes further. He says, actually, no, go ahead and seek the welfare of Babylon, Seek the welfare of the city that you're currently in. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. Then you will find your welfare. The opposite of fade away. God says, no, I want you to get all the way in. And it's crazy thinking about that's actually what Jesus did too. John 1, 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus looked at a sinful people and he got all the way in there live life among sinful people, shoulder to shoulder, loved on us, cared about us, gave us a pure, perfect example. And this is a hope-filled picture. This is a hope-filled picture for all of us in the room and the world that we live in, the society that we live in. That picture that God gave them was one full of hope. And that is so exciting. I sit there and I think about that. I think about where I come from. I think about that picture, and that is one that excites me about the things that are true or I experienced in an Omaha, right? Because God desires us, the people of the strong city whose salvation is its walls and ramparts, to live right in the midst of the lofty city. And when that happens, the heavenly city is gonna be all the more beautiful. The heavenly city is gonna be a wild place. A wild place. And so this heavenly city is describing at the end of the time when Jesus comes back and all things are renewed and made perfect. That's what this is talking about. After things are solidified and done, this will be full of people from every nation, tribe, people in language, people from all different parts of history. It's gonna be crazy. And you know who else is gonna be there? Some people from Babylon. And you know, when I see somebody from Babylon in there, I'm going to walk up to them and I'm going to be like, how are you here? (laughs) How are you here? You know? And they're going to say, well, after we conquered Israel, we watched these people build houses. We watched them build their families. We watched them lovingly serve us. They prayed for us. They cared for us. They shared their God with us. After they were conquered, we watched them have joy in a terrible circumstance. Their marriages stayed together. They were united. They had real relationships with each other. The only conclusion as a Babylonian when I saw that was there's something to their God. And what if God wants to use us like that right here in Columbia, Missouri? Not just here, you know these, those cities that we describe, those bro, that brokenness, that sin, the world is it, it, it's, it's everywhere, right? This is what God desires for His people, in that. Excites me. I want everybody, everybody who I live around. It just gives me new eyes for those who I live around in the world that I'm in. It's, you know, I just have a hope for them and I want them to be in heaven, experience the heavenly city with me. I mean, let's look at the scene pictured here in Isaiah 25, 6 through 9. Feast, right? We'll prepare a feast of rich food for all people, a banquet of aged wine. I've never liked wine, but I bet I'm going to like that one. You know what I'm saying? Right? Death is going to be swallowed up forever. No more death. No more pain. No more sorrow. No more sin in the world. Death will be swallowed up forever. I know that's just so hard to fathom. No more sin in the world. And you know, God sent his son to die for sin in the world so that those who repent for their sin and follow Jesus can have life now and life forever. We can be free from that now and free forever. The heavenly city has no flaw. This heavenly city is personal. You know, it's crazy. I love that God doesn't just say, hey, look, you're going to have peace here, and it's going to be cool sinless. It'll be a great time. No, God says, God says, I will wipe away the tears from all faces. Personal. I am the picture of of a parent holding a, a baby who's crying and wiping the tears from their cheek. God says, you went through it. You were in Babylon. I get it. It was crazy out there. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more sin. That is so exciting. The intimate picture of the heavenly city, we want everybody to experience that. And so for us, maybe the thought is just, look, we might just need to reflect on where God has placed us within this city to be a source of life, of light and hope. Look, we may not have a ton of influence, but, but what's your square inch You know, where you have the ability to bring some renewal, to bring a perspective, to bring life, to bring a picture of God. Where can we serve in the church or our community where you can build a strong city inside of a lofty city? Are you living your life in godly confidence? Because I'm so, I, I, I fall victim of not living in godly confidence. Like, I am 100% sure I'm going to eat that feast of heaven and my whole life is full of love with all those around me because of it. A confidence. I don't live in a godly confidence. What would that look like for us? This is the hope that we have. That's the hope that we have. The life that we get to live, the hope that we have of the heavenly City And along the way, seeing people from the lofty city or people who are living in their sin become a people of the strong city to be followers of God and walking with him and tasting that goodness, the hope that we have and we can live life with them and love them. This is what we see. We look around and see the brokenness so clearly, but do we also see the hope that exists right underneath it? Do we see with our own eyes the beauty from the ashes? I pray for us. Well, dear Heavenly Father, God, we just ask that your word really would um, God, it would just build us. God, we just pray that we would Be a people who just are full of love. God, we pray for eyes to see. We pray for more of your spirit, God, to just walk in in confidence. God, we pray for where you have us. God, that we would just be a people who love, people who care about one another, people who are relationally transparent, open, God, and secure in who you are, I pray that, God, we would, as we exist in this lofty city, God, we would be a strong city, God, knowing and seeing, God, the hope that you really have laid out for us, and so I pray for all of us this morning. Amen.